There's no doubt that in our world, money rules. From being able to determine where we can live to being able to determine the activities that we can participate in, pre-COVID, of course, money serves a very important role in our lives. It shouldn't be any surprise that the topic of money is one of the most important subjects in our lives, and yet it is the most confusing and difficult thing to manage. As you will hear me say a lot, our educational system has failed us in the management of money, leaving us to our own devices. For some of us, money may be a status symbol, but for the rest of us, it's a means of survival. Because of the lack of knowledge provided to us in our elementary and teen years, we are forced to figure out how to money, if you will, which may lead us down some very interesting and peculiar paths. It is then no mystery to us that money can bring out the absolute worst in all of us, resorting to our survival instincts when we have too little of it, and resorting to our, well, asshole instincts when we have too much of it. How can a piece of paper, or for my fellow millennials, digits on a screen, have such a powerful effect on our psyche? In order to get us to the main components of today's podcast, I'm going to ask you to follow me down a history and economics lesson. I hope that this didn't trigger any PTSD from your high school classes, as I hope that this will be much more interesting than those. We are going to be talking about the value of money, and in order to understand how we got to where we're at today, we first need to understand the evolution of money and currency. Currency simply is a system of money generally used within a society where money, as you will see unfolding throughout this podcast, is simply a tool. In our early ancestry, the bartering system was a common form of currency. It's a system where someone would exchange their goods or services with other people who possessed different types of goods and services that they were looking for. It was pretty much a mutual exchange. For instance, a farmer may produce some sort of food that a shoemaker needed, and the shoemaker provided some sort of services that the farmer needed. Based on the value of those goods and services that each individual had seen in the different services or goods that they provided, there was an inherent limitation to the bartering system, since some goods or services just had unequal values. This form of currency was eventually replaced by the monetary system we see today. In a monetary system, a single note becomes the middleman between the exchange of goods and services. Depending on the value of your goods or services to a specific society, you receive a certain number of notes. For instance, we see this in the workforce. Depending on your degree or your experience, or if you own your own business and you sell some sort of goods, you receive a certain amount of money for the time you spend providing your skills or services and experience, or selling the particular goods that you produce. Money then becomes the tool that allows you to live, providing means for you to pay your rent, buy food, enjoy life, go out, be with friends, you name it. Money really does penetrate every single avenue of our lives. It is then no wonder that we strive so hard to obtain money since it plays such an important role in our lives. I want you to think about this. Money's value is prescribed through the supply and demand of goods and services of a collective group of individuals within a society. 
<laughs> okay, let me break down that terminology. Simply put, supply and demand drives the price of goods and services, and money becomes the tool to help you obtain them. When we talk about supply, we're talking about the amount of goods or services that are available. And then when we talk about demand, it's the consumer's level of interest in purchasing those goods or services. Ultimately, these two concepts work hand in hand to determine the price of something and money allows us to obtain them. In essence, money is only as valuable as the goods and services it allows us to purchase. When you go into the negotiation portion of a new job, you may have already determined how much money you need in order not only to survive, but how much you actually need to enjoy your life for those different desires that you have, taking into consideration the nice things you want in your life. Maybe getting that new job will allow you to be able to move into a nicer neighborhood with a complex that has more amenities, or maybe you've been eyeing that car uh, that's a lot nicer than the one that you're currently driving. Needless to say, the list is endless with the expansion of your monetary resources. The economic model of supply and demand couldn't have been more obvious than during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, most of you probably remember at the beginning of March and April, there was a huge run on uh, paper towel products. What we saw was that the supply could not meet the demand. And so people were starting to hoard papered products. Um, when they would hit the shelves, they would stock up on them and, and stores had to put limitations because some people uh, were just being assholes and <laughs> buying a lot more than they needed and reselling it at a much higher price. Those people saw an opportunity to be able to take advantage of the lack of supply uh, with the great demand, but eventually that supply caught up with the, the demand and those assholes got stuck with a shit ton of paper goods that they couldn't get rid of. The increase and decrease of pricing is what's known as inflation or deflation, respectively. There are many factors that are taken into consideration to control inflation or deflation, but don't you worry about it, I'm not going to go into those details. But ultimately, the value that those products represent to us in our times of need reflect the importance of the value that is ascribed to our purchases, which indirectly reveals a much more important matter, the value of money in our lives. Now the key term in all of this is value. Value is the driving force behind our purchases. How we spend our hard-earned money is a reflection of our values. The price of something is an indication as to the level of the value a society places on purchasing a specific good or service. However, you as an individual, you may be willing to pay more or less for a certain good because of your values. Your values shape your purchasing habits, so identifying what your values are and why those specific, specific values are important to you when making purchases is critical to your financial health. Now, I believe that there are two sets of values when it comes to our finances, your core values and your perceived values. Your core values are the essence of who you are. Stripped away from any other types of influences, these values define who you are at your core. 
they are the thoughts that you sit with that define your character and personality. The second set of values are your perceived values. These are the values that are shaped by your influences. Now, all of us have different influences, whether they be family members, friends, enemies, acquaintances, corporations, you name it. These values are who others say you are or who they ultimately desire you to become, or I would even argue who you think you should become. Unfortunately, in today's culture, there are many forces that we will discuss in greater detail that influence our values, thus putting us at odds with our actual core values. You may be influenced by your friends or companies to purchase a $3,000 handbag because of peer pressure. Your status will be elevated because if you were to get that luxury brand bag, you will be respected in certain circles. Brands then collect data on purchasing habits and cater their marketing to your perceived values, creating marketing ads that fester with your actual core values. Again, we'll cover this in greater details in a later podcast, but I just wanted to plant a little seed because it is important to, for a holistic approach to value and money. In my workshops, I tell attendees that if I was to take a look at their bank accounts for the past three months, I could tell them exactly what their values are in life. Ultimately, what you spend your money on is a direct reflection of what you value most, whether they be your core or your perceived values. Money has gotten a pretty bad rap, both figuratively and literally. Uh, There are a plethora of songs that you can look up where money is either idolized or demonized. Uh, You know what? We're just obsessed with money. Uh, Either way, it's interesting to see that a tool that is so vital to our lives gets so much attention, uh, whether it's good or bad attention. I once had a phase of my life as an evangelical Christian. That story, I can save it for another time, uh, but rest assured that part of my life is way behind me. Uh, But my point in telling this story is that if you were raised around any form of Christianity, you were probably taught that money is the root of all evil. This has left a variety of interpretations and manifestations depending on what sect you're a part of, uh, but the concept seems to be the same. Uh, an object meant to be a tool in a functioning society being the representative of evil acts. I have seen this abuse to its extremes, people feeling guilty for having money or being manipulated by religious leaders to give it to them since they have a higher calling on how to handle their money. If you have watched any clips of a televangelist, I am sure you are convinced that they have a much better use of your money than you do. The concept that money is the root of all evil couldn't be any further from the truth, and in my opinion, a more harmful effect to, the, to a healthy approach in managing our money. As we discussed, money is simply a vehicle to get us what we want and need in life. Now, if your desires are what's evil, then that's a reckoning between you and your maker, or whatever you believe in. But money in and of itself is a tool, and a very useful tool, I may add. Money allows us to express our values in tangible form. So, if the manifestations are shitty, don't blame it on the dollar. 
Going back to the concept of reviewing your bank account and identifying your values, the way you spend your money is a direct reflection of what you value most. I cannot stress that enough. Let's say that you're a health nut like me. You choose to buy organic foods even though they may be more expensive than their GMO counterparts. The value you have on healthy eating and keeping your body in check is much greater than the savings on buying those less healthier foods. In order to mitigate the savings lost from buying the more expensive foods, you probably find yourself spending less in other categories, like gym memberships or expensive clothing. In essence, you value healthy eating over those other things. It's not to say that you don't find value in those other things, but because of your limited resources, you must prioritize how you spend your money. For most of you, this is a subconscious practice. You have limited resources with competing opportunities, so you make the best of a limited situation. This is an economic concept known as opportunity costs, which we can cover in greater details at a later time. To wrap up this segment, I have a little challenge for you. I want you to reflect upon your values in life. Try to identify your core values, not your perceived values. What are the things that give you life rather than the things that suck the life out of you? Once you have done that, have these values in mind for your next upcoming purchases. Ask yourself, how does this purchase align with my values? Do this for every transaction in the upcoming week. Even if it's paying your rent, the value of having shelter and security is critical to survival, for which you are grateful for. As you will see, you will become more intentional about your spending habits and introduce a little bit of gratitude into your financial life.